Several years ago, I got a chance to go to um, this uh, odd place, literally odd is in the name, called Ripley's Believe It or Not. And you go to this place and uh, they they call them auditoriums, not AU, like this is kind of an auditorium, people gather, that sort of thing. They called it an auditorium because of the nature of the content in the building. And if you've never been to one of these, I think there's still one in like Newport or something like that. Uh, When I was younger, these places really creeped me out. There's stuff in there that is uh, disturbing. I don't know if you know much about Ripley. This guy, Robert Ripley, he, he had like a comic strip for a while back in like the early 1900s, around the Depression eras where he, he had like a, a show on NPR for like 14 years. And then in the 80s, some of you remember this, some of you weren't there, that's okay. Back in the 80s, this guy named Jack Palance, they did a TV show of it. And any one of those iterations of this Ripley stuff still creeps me out. Because if, if you've never been to, to something like that, it, he, he was this world traveler, I guess. He was, traveled around the world, and he would try to find, uh, well, odd stuff. He would try to find weird things in the animal kingdom. And, and if, you, if you go through some of, the, some of the booths and everything, in the auditorium would be like weird facts, you know. I think at one point uh, he had like a two-headed goat, you know, two-headed snake. Now, I realize in modern times, you know, those can be everywhere. But back in the day, you didn't have all these social media access to every little weird thing. Back in the day, it was kind of a draw because people wanted to see weird stuff. What is it about us that we want to see weird stuff, right? You know what I'm talking about. We want to see stuff that's just out of the ordinary. I remember one particular display that still bothers me today because I'm not quite sure if it's real or not, okay? Shrunken heads. You know what I'm saying? They look real enough that you, you kinda, it kind of bothers you for a second. And, uh, and, and I know they're probably not real, but are they? Because if you go to any of these auditoriums, the question is going to be for you. Do you believe it or not, right? Do you believe it or not? Now, belief is kind of an interesting thing to me. Belief has got weight to it. You know, what we believe kind of has some weight to it, right? I mean, we believe things that we can't even see. You know, you think about if you take a, a science class or something, you learn about, you know, an atom and that sort of thing. These are things that we can't see with our, our, our eyes, right? You have to have super-powered microscopes or whatever, and, and, and there's things like, you know, the, what's out in the universe. I mean, I, I guess they just found proof of a black hole or something. Have you, did you guys read that story? And, you know, I looked at the image. I can't tell what it is. You know what I mean? But these, these telescopes go way, way out, and we're seeing these things. And we're now in a situation where, where you know, we realize uh, there's a lot of stuff that we, we maybe haven't seen or touched but we believe exists, you know? So belief is kind of part of our, part of our everyday. And, and belief, yeah, I mean, you think about it, what we believe about things changes how we operate, right? Like, if, if I believe something is dangerous, it'd be pretty s- smart of me to avoid that thing because it might hurt me. That we, we believe that to be true, so we avoid that. If we believe something is valuable, we will protect it, put it under lock and key, you know, put it in a place where it won't get disturbed, right? You know what I'm talking about. Belief kind of does that. It'll drive us to do things or not to do things, depending on, you know, what we believe. But 
I feel like in our modern world, the term belief has lost a little credibility. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you say, I believe something to be true, there's like a shadow of a doubt for me, isn't there? Who's with me? You say you believe something, you're like, okay, well, there might be a little wishy-washy in there. You know what I mean? Why is that, you think? Why does belief kind of have this credibility problem in our world? Because, you know, think about it. People believe stuff that's not true, too. And they will defend it to the end on social media. Right? We can believe the wrong stuff and be super passionate about it and be totally wrong. Right? So, So maybe that's a factor. Belief is also something that kind of gets our emotions going, right? It'll kind of get our, our, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, Jackie the other night was watching uh, a particular sporting event on TV that went into four overtimes. And uh, I won't tell you what that was. Figure that one out. Google that. So she was watching that, and, and Jackie never watches sports really with me. Whenever I put it on, she, like, you know, rolls her eyes and you Neanderthal, whatever. But she stayed through four of those. And you know why? You can ask her about this. Because she was uh, impressed with the raw emotion of grown men crying (laughs) on television. It's just a sport. But they believe it's so important, you know, they're crying about it. That's how important it is. And I'm not ripping on you if you're a... I used the word rip. Did you catch that? Anyway... I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. All right, so belief can have some emotion to it, right? And sometimes the emotion can push us over the edge. Like we can start to realize my belief, my emotion right now is way high. And so even if I'm kind of guessing that I'm wrong, my emotion's high, so I'm going to hang on to that thing. Belief has lost some credibility a little bit. And that you could blame science, technology. I don't really think that's a good thing to blame. Uh, but also, I mean, there's cameras everywhere. You know, so belief, again, is, is, it used to be maybe this term that, that, that meant something. But now in modern culture, it maybe has taken a, 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 a backseat a little bit. So, so let me try something on you. All right? So I don't want you to overthink this, please. Okay? This is, this is an audience participation moment. Here we go. Don't overthink this. I want you to tell someone close to you, could be someone you can shout it out across the the room, that's okay, catch somebody's eyeball. I want you to tell your neighbor, don't overthink this, your favorite color, go. Blue. It's taking some of you a little longer. What is up with that? If you take too long, I kind of, I don't believe you. Well, think about this. That's silly, but... Think about this. If, 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 I, if you ask me, and blue is my color, although I'm, I guess I'm wearing blue. So, you know, Ben, what's your favorite color? Blue. Okay, that's blue. But what if I said, I believe it's blue? Is that as, if, if you compare the difference, it's blue. I believe it's blue. You see what I mean? It's just, it's just subtle, right? It's subtle, but well, maybe, he, maybe he's thinking about another color. Maybe he's thinking bluish green. Turquoise. You see what I mean? Your mind starts thinking, maybe he's not so certain on this. And this is why I think sometimes belief has gotten a little bit of a, of a credibility issue. Think about this. Another, another example. Uh, anybody in here ever been on jury duty or been in court? Because I, I have recently. Uh, yeah, you've been there. 
So if, if, if you're asked to be a witness at something and, and you, you, you're, you're being cross-examined, whatever, and, and they ask you, you know, hey, Ben, did you, you see this crime? And I said, I believe I did. Now, does that kind of create a little open door for somebody there? I be, what do you mean you believe you saw that? I mean, can you 100% you see where, where that's going? But if I'd have said, that guy did it, that feels different, doesn't it? Am I the only one? Does that feel, that feel a little different? I believe. So I think sometimes, for, for whatever reason, when we talk about belief and even its close cousin, faith, when we're in that realm, sometimes people feel like it's more in the wishy-washy sort of situation. It might be true. It might not be true. Well, this is going to be crucial for what we're talking about today because we're, we're going to return to our verse that we've been in since Easter. But this time we're going to look at a third part of that verse that it really matters, this whole thing about belief. It's a crucial point in John 3.16. So we've been in this series called 3.16, Hope Has a Number, and we've been looking at a particular conversation in which Jesus says in verse 16 of chapter 3 of the book of John, he gives what we call the hope diamond of the Bible. And we've said over and over, John 3.16 is one of those verses, if you're brand new to Scripture, you're brand new to church, Jesus, the whole thing, that's where you start. That is ground zero for every follower of Christ. But if you've been following Jesus for a while, maybe you've read the Bible a lot, this is the place you need to return to over and over again. This is the gospel in a nutshell. 24 words in the English language, powerful verse. And that's what we've been looking at. We've been unpacking that every week. And we started on Easter. We said, God so loved you know, God so loved, his love was so big for us, for the entire world, even those who made bad decisions, those who made good decisions, all the humanitarians and all the people that have made, done horrible evil. God's love is so big that he loves the world. So much that we talked about last week that he gave. So because God so loved, we are so loved. That's the place we need to start with that verse. And then because of his love, he didn't just keep it out there as a nice sentiment, love you all, he gave. And what did he give his one and only unique son to pay for every sin, past, present, and future, to reunite us into a relationship with God? And now we get to our response. And it involves this word, belief. But I think it's going to be a little bit different than maybe where that word has arrived in our current culture. Belief in the scriptures is way bigger deal than just it might be true. So that's what we're going to lean in on to today. By the way, welcome. I'm Pastor Ben. (laughs) Glad you're here. Sometimes I get rolling and I just kind of forget to say who I am. Pastor Ben here. Anything that we're talking about today, gosh, if it strikes you, it grabs your heart, please come find me or anybody on the stage. Love to talk with you about that. But we're going to be leaning in pretty hard on this this kind of third part of the series. And we got one more. So hopefully you can be here for one more Sunday and, and enter that with us. That'll be our episode number four. But we're going to look at today this idea of belief. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. And Father, we're so thankful that you love us more than we could possibly imagine. 
even if it's true, we're more sinful than we want to realize. But thank you for the good gift of Jesus, your son. And Lord, help us to lean into this idea of, of true faith. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible or a device, John chapter 3 is where we are. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on a, on a recap, but just, just to bring you up to speed, if, if you haven't been with us this whole series, uh, John 3 is a pretty amazing conversation that happened between Jesus, this up-and-coming rabbi that's starting to gain ground. He's gaining traction in first century uh, uh, Roman Empire in, the, in, the, in the, the little nation of Israel, an occupied nation. But this Jesus guy, he's an itinerant preacher. He comes from a small town. He started to cause some waves. So much so that those who are in the capital city of the country in Jerusalem, also the religious capital of Israel, they start to catch wind of this guy, Jesus. And so there's this man named Nicodemus who was part of the Jewish ruling council, a pretty famous guy in his own right, also, you know, is part of the leadership of the entire nation and the religious life of the people. This guy, Nicodemus, comes to investigate Jesus at night, probably to protect his, you know, credibility. He, he's a prominent guy. He's not sure about this Jesus guy, so he comes to him not during the day, but at night to give him maybe a little bit of anonymity. And he encounters Jesus. They have this conversation. And this conversation, Nicodemus starts out with, hey, it's great to see you. Man, it's awesome. You know, go Blazers. They have this great conversation. Jesus kind of ignores all the small talk and launches into, you know, basically something that rocks Nicodemus' world. In fact, I would make the case that Nicodemus is never the same after this conversation. Because Jesus starts talking about if you really want to be part of God's network, if you really want to be part of God's family, if you want to be part of the Jesus team, you must be, remember, born again. Nicodemus is scratching his head, makes no sense whatsoever, can't get his mind around that. And remember, we talked about that in week one, right? How much of a say did you have in your own birth? Nothing. It happened to you. You didn't actively, you know, work any of that out. Your mama had you. That's how it worked. And, and so what, what we see is this conflict, like we talked about, of two different ways uh, of, of looking at religion and faith. On, on the one side, Nicodemus, the way he grew up, and, the, and the, the, whole, the, the whole Jewish system was very much based on the things you got to do right. you got to get things right. There's only certain festival days. you got to make sure you don't work on Sabbath day, which is Saturday. You had to do all these things. That was the world Nicodemus grew up in, right? i gotta make, I got to do everything right, and then God might be happy with me. He, he might even give me a bit of blessing, and maybe there's some afterlife for me. And this is really what human religion is all about. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, nope, you need to be born again, meaning God does it all. Conflict of philosophies completely. Nicodemus is confused. Jesus smiles at him and gives him this statement. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He gives him the hope diamond of the world. And we're going to be looking at that very idea of belief, of faith. It's the same word, it's the same Greek word that is used interchangeably, depending on your English versions. Not not, not many of us read the Bible in the original Greek languages. Some of you may, and good job. 
But for most of us, we look at the English, and the, the word for belief and faith, they're very related because it's the same word in the Greek language. And so this is the word we're talking about. God so loved that he gave us everything. And our response is that we believe. But like I said at the beginning, for whatever reason, this, this word may be, may be a little bit difficult to unpack in our modern culture because that word, again, feels more uh, wishy-washy, maybe a little less certain. And so it may be confusing that God does all this great stuff and then we just like, yeah, I believe it. Is, is, that, is that really what we're talking about when it says whoever believes in him? Now, whoever's great. Whoever means all y'all, right? All y'all, it's literally, that's not what the Greek says, but that's what I'm saying. All y'all believes in him, believes in him. Is that word just, again, some kind of mental note, some kind of a might be? Is that what we're talking about or is there something, something way deeper than that? The Greek term for that word is pastuo. And what that means is, and this is where it becomes super crucial. Again, that's a Greek term. You don't have to remember that. It kind of sounds weird when I say it out loud. <laughs> pistuo, very odd. Kind of sound like pistachio, not the same thing. Pistuo, it's a Greek term which basically means considerable weight. Persuaded to be true. Persuaded to be true. Confidence. Conviction. In short, deep trust. That's what that word means. That that doesn't sound like how we've kind of used that belief term these days. This sounds like something way deeper. This deep trust, this conviction, this absolute assurance that knows it's true. Now, faith even goes beyond this. Belief goes beyond this because there's actually a whole little book in the New Testament part of the Bible called James, written by a guy named James, close to Jesus, and uh, in fact, there have been some leaders over church history that have sought to remove that book because they feel like it's talking a lot about what we do. And, and this book is amazing because what James is trying to help us understand is that faith goes deeper than just a word we say or, or a, a raising of the hand when the prayer happens. Belief is actually connected to what we do. That when we trust God, it changes how we operate. It actually changes our behavior world. Not that the behavior fixing saves us. God already did that. We already figured that out. God did all the work. Remember, born again, you didn't have anything to do with that. God's already done the work, but because of his great work, we can't help but be transformed now, Romans 12, 1 and 2, transformed by now embracing this new way to be human. And so faith and, our, and, our, and what we do are connected. They're not two separate worlds. They're actually interconnected. So this book of James uh, writes about this. And if you've never read it, I encourage you, probably the most challenging books you could read in the New Testament because it's so intensely practical, right? It says, oh, great, if you believe, great. Uh, how are you handling uh, loving your neighbor? Or, or, yeah, you believe, that's great, but are you uh, trying to help someone who's poor? So I love how James kind of plays both sides of that. Like, yeah, you can say you believe all you want, but how is that affecting how you love people? Because if you're truly transformed God's love, you can't help but want to show that to other people, right? 
So the whole book is kind of doing this. And so it's, again, it's a challenging book. Every time I read James, I just feel like, oh, man, I got so far to go. But I encourage you to, to read that this week. But let me just get a, just a clip of it, right, just a little bit of it. In, in James chapter 2, it says this. And again, this is making the cases that are, are how we live, or the choices that we make are connected to our faith. They're connected because there's a deep trust in God so much so that it affects our behavior. And so, so, so uh, James says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Well, you do well. But even the demons believe and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? You can't say you love your neighbor and disown them at the same time. That's just, and that's what we're trying to do, that that kind of that, that hypocritical, we're just saying these things, but it doesn't actually operate in our lives. You've experienced this in your life before even outside of religious circles, where people say one thing and that's totally not what happens. You've probably seen it at work. You might have seen it on the ball fields. You might have seen it somewhere in the community where you've seen that dis, dis, dissociation between what they say and what we actually do, right? So James is trying to tell us, hey, they're connected. Deep faith isn't wishy-washy. Deep faith says, I deeply trust, I have confidence in God's love, so much so that it changes my life. That's what biblical faith is. I hope that's helping us see a, a little better version of that idea of belief than maybe we've, we've adopted in recent culture. That it's a deep trust. See, faith has hands and feet. To say we, we, we trust in Jesus means that it's going to affect how we, how we operate. Faith has hands and feet. It's grounded in reality of how we live. It's a deep trust in the integrity of God. That's what it means when it says, believe. Whoever believes is putting a deep trust in the integrity of God. In fact, the scriptures tell us, look, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is one of those things that trusting him is the, is the game changer. Trusting him, putting full trust in God. And I realize that's tough, but let me, let me get you one more scripture that I think might be helpful. Because some of us struggle with, with faith. Some of us struggle with belief. Because truth be told, even with scripture, okay, 66 books that compile this thing, there are some difficult things in here. Can we just agree to that? Things I don't understand, honestly. I don't understand some of it. I don't know how, how, how it all played out. I wasn't there. I don't know how creation all worked, the separations of the waters and the atmosphere. I don't, I don't understand some of that. I don't understand the conquests when, when the nation was, was pushing out the people that were there. I, there's things I don't understand. And there are days where I just have to say, God, I got to trust you because some of this stuff I just don't understand. Lord, help my faith, increase my faith because I've realized this far in my life that even when I don't understand what God is doing, he's got something going on. And I sometimes just have to be quiet and just keep moving forward and trust that he's got it figured out because there's just too much that I do not understand. Listen to how 
the writer of Hebrews, and this is another book in the New Testament, listen how the writer of Hebrews speaks of faith. And I think you're going to see a dramatic difference between the way this writer talks about faith and how we've looked at faith and belief in our, in our modern culture. Listen to this. This is powerful. In fact, this may need to be a verse you camp on for a couple weeks. This may be your life verse for a while. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Faith is what? Assurance of things hoped for. And the conviction of things not seen. Let me read that down one more time because that's, that's a pretty powerful statement. When we're talking about whoever believes in him, this is what we're talking about. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Do you deeply trust in God's provision, his integrity, his goodness? Because there's another word that I think is super connected to all of this. When we put complete trust in God, we are in essence surrendering to him. And man, we don't like that word. Surrender sounds like a bad word, doesn't it? Surrender sounds like we're giving up. From a biblical perspective, surrender is putting ourselves in God's lap and say, God, help us. Putting ourselves in God's hands and say, God, we don't understand, but we trust you because you're good. So no matter what's going on in the circumstances, life's going crazy, we're putting ourselves in your hands. We're trusting you. That's what faith is all about. That's why surrender is so key into that. We're surrendered. We're completely giving up into his hands, not just to anybody, You don't want to surrender just to anybody. You want to surrender to Jesus. Surrender everything to him. And that's showing complete trust in him. Jackie and I had to kind of go through some of this a little bit recently. Some of you knew that uh, we opened our home to a foster child for about eight or nine months. And uh, and I got to be telling you, some of you know this story, but it was pretty hard for us. Um, Loving on someone, bringing someone into the home, uh, someone that had gone through a lot of trauma, and uh, I think we were his 11th or 12th placement in less than a year, something like this. It wasn't good. We loved on this kid for a long time, and it got to the point where we realized, well, we're not, we don't feel like it's right for us to adopt him. We're old people. <laughs> we're in our late 40s, whatever. But we, we start praying for who might be that person that, that would be the right home for him. And some of you know we wrestled in prayer for this for a long time. And, uh, and, and our, we said goodbye to him at the end of March. And he is now with a family that wants to adopt him. Nine months we're praying for this. We had to come to the point, we, we had a conversation about this. We had to come to the point where we have to trust that God loves this little guy more than we ever could. And that's tough. We felt guilt. We felt all kinds of things with that. But we, we really had to wrestle with the Lord. Lord, do we trust that you actually have his best interest at heart more than even we do? And the answer was yes. It's hard to put our trust in God sometimes. It's hard when the career's going sideways or the marriage is going sideways or your health goes sideways. We can't predict some of that stuff. So that stuff just gets handed to us. Some of us are born with, with kind of a faulty deck. We can't choose some of that. But what we can do is trust in the goodness and integrity of God. 
that he actually loves you more than whatever circumstance you're going through right now, whatever mistakes you've made, it's not like you've surprised him by your life. And he loves you just as much. This is powerful stuff. And he's called us to have assurance. 11.1, remember? Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that's the question for us today. Where's your faith with Jesus? Your trust in his integrity. Your trust that God has your best interest at heart. If you were just to take a temperature right now, take a pulse of your faith with, with, with God, trusting him, is that a strong pulse? Maybe that's true for some of you. You have strong faith. You've seen God do things in your life. And even in the circumstance you're in right now, you have a deep trust that God's going to see me through this, even though it's kind of shady right now. Some of you are, are your, your faith temperature is higher. You feel like, yeah, I feel like me and the Lord are pretty good. Others of us, or maybe more of us, maybe are feeling like a little cold in our faith. We feel like God's distant. Like when we pray, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. We may feel like, I don't, I don't know that, God, are you hearing me? You know, whatever that circumstance is that's kind of pushing you away from God. Maybe you feel like you're in a spot where you'd like that pulse to be a little stronger, that, that faith pulse. You'd like that temperature to be a little warmer with regard to your faith and your trust in Jesus. You know you can pray for that. There was one moment where Jesus had an interaction with someone, and I don't remember where exactly it was in his ministry, but Jesus, I think, did some healing. And... Uh, and he, he tells the guy, you know, everything's possible by faith. And Jesus, that, he said that several times. But to this guy, he heard that and he said, okay, I believe. Help my unbelief. You can pray for God to increase your faith. Increase your trust in his goodness. You can ask God to help you in that area. Do you believe that Jesus is reliable? That he can help you through this marriage thing? That he can help you through this work thing, this financial thing? Do you trust that he's good enough and powerful enough? Do you trust in the integrity of God to say you have full assurance? In this verse, we've said that God so loved us. We are so loved. And that he loved us so much that he gave, meaning that he did whatever it took to reconcile us to him even to deal with the sin problem, which is what the cross was all about. And he rose from the dead, giving us hope to a new, a new humanity, a new reality. He loved and he gave, and our response is belief that is trust. And there's an equation I want to leave you with. It's a simple equation. It goes like this. Faith equals trusting God's goodness. Faith equals trusting God's goodness. I don't know where you're at on that spectrum, but I encourage you, I challenge you to, to, to put that verse, maybe you print out Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Maybe you need to put that on your dashboard for a couple weeks just to get that in your head, that faith is a deep trust and a conviction that not only is God right, but he's good and he's got this. Maybe that needs to be a place you just park for a while. My, one of my favorite statements from the Psalms is Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good and he has your back. You can trust him with everything. And that's what biblical faith means when it says whoever believes in him. This is what we're talking about, putting our faith in him, putting, putting all of our eggs in his basket, giving him complete, surrendering to him.
Just imagine if each of us in this room, we trusted God's goodness so much that we were even willing to take risks for him. That when he calls us to do something out of our comfort zone, we're starting from a place of complete trust in God's goodness. We're starting from a place of trust. God, you have this, you got this, I'm trusting you. Can you imagine what we could accomplish as a church family or as individuals? And it could be right now in this room, God may be preparing to call you to do something out of your comfort zone. I know that probably sounds scary, but you know, if we're completely trusting God, it's not so scary because he's got us. Trusting in God's goodness, that's what faith is all about. Imagine how that could change our world. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We recognize that you're good and your, your mercies are new every morning. Father, help us to live in that space of trusting you completely no matter what. Father, help our unbelief in, in certain moments. Increase our faith. God, I pray for every heart in this room that we would begin to see the, the beauty of trusting you, of true biblical faith, that we trust you because you're good and that our faith is a complete assurance of your goodness and your mercy and that you've got our back. Father, I pray that each person in this room would trust you that way. And so, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to move and that we would leave this place changed and that we would take your love and faithfulness to the world around us come Monday morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Like I said, if there's something that, we've, that I talked about here that you want to talk more about, anybody on stage can, can talk with you on that. Come find me. I'll be over here somewhere. Uh, don't leave if God's tugging on your heart about something there um, with regard to faith and trust in him. Uh, he's good and he's worth it. Right now, we're going to take some time. We're going to sing some songs together. I encourage you to take some time in prayer, maybe meditate on what we've talked about. Look at those scriptures again, but we're going to take a time of what we call communion, where we take some bread and dip it in the juice. It reminds us of his broken body and his blood shed for us, what Jesus did for us on that cross. We know that he rose again and gave hope to the world, but we also remember the great sacrifice. And so that's what we do for a few moments. I encourage you to come forward as, as the, the musicians play. Uh, if you're a follower of Christ, this is for you. Come forward, take the communion t- together. And then there's also a place to extend worship through giving. Generosity is part of who we are as Christ followers. And so there's a place for you to extend your worship through giving. So in the next few moments, uh, do some business with the Lord. Come forward if you're a follower of Christ and and take that communion. Remember what he did for us. And uh, really let God work on you.